All right, welcome to another edition of the Team Building Show for Canadians. Um, I am Sandy McKay, host here, and it's our mission here to create high-level conversations and give you actionable items for you to go and implement in your real estate business right away. Uh, before we get rolling in this interview with uh, with James here, uh, I want to remind everyone to jump on over to the website, teambuildingshow.ca. Uh, you'll be able to subscribe to our list so you never miss an episode. You can uh, also follow us on Facebook, like our page, follow it, like our, like our, follow us on YouTube, um, subscribe there. iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts, you're going to be able to find it there. And uh, if you're watching, um, make sure you like the pages, subscribe so you never miss a show. And really, really excited to have with us here, uh, James James Canal. Canal, right? Is I'm saying that yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a, it's a non-silent case. So I appreciate you remembering yeah. that because I mean, you should be pronounced no, but that's just the way, uh, that's the, the way that there. Germans say the KN. So there you go. Awesome. And uh, Mogul Real Mogul Realty Group. Um, yes, that's correct. I don't Edmonton today. So super excited. We've had um, pretty much all Ontario people so far. So excited to kind of change gears here and talk a little bit, maybe see how things are happening, maybe differently on the other side of the country. And uh and learn about you and your business and what you're up to. So absolutely. Well, I hope to bring some West coast vibes out to your Ontario show and share some perspectives on what's going on on this side of the country. Awesome, man. Awesome. So why don't we start with just, uh, give us a bit of background. What's your, what's, what's your real estate business look like at this point? Where, 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 where did you start and how has it grown to where it is today? That's a great question. And you know, it all started back when I was just graduating university I bought a house, rented out the rooms to my buddies, kind of had like a frat house thing going and did, you know, I was, I was house hacking before the term house hacking was invented. So I don't know what we called it back then, but it was just a good way to live with my friends, own an asset and live on the cheap because I didn't have rent to pay because their, their rent covered my cost of living. It's kind of just snowballed from there over the last 15 years. I bought more properties, rented them out to more people, eventually moved into buying multifamily properties. And I've built a portfolio of uh, real estate assets it, that's over 250 rental units in the Edmonton area now. Mm -hmm. On the realtor side of things, after about two years of buying and selling houses, I just got so into real estate that all my friends started calling me up and saying, hey, you're the real estate guy. Can you help us buy or sell a house? And enough of those phone calls got me encouraged to um, get my real estate license, start as a realtor. Uh, I acted as a solo realtor until about 2014 um, with assistance, uh, executive assistance and, and admin support and whatnot. In 2014, I started thinking about growing something a little bit bigger than myself. Um, in 2015, I took a, I took a sabbatical. Um, I'd hit an achievement milestone in my career that I really wanted to. So I basically spent 2015 living in Whistler, being a ski bum and having a good time and just kind of reflecting on what I wanted the next phase of my career to look like came back, started laying the foundation for growing a real estate team. And in 2017, I incorporated that team, which is now called the Mogul Realty Group. And ever since then, we've just been learning about how to operate as a, as a team of realtors. At any given point in time, um, we'll have anywhere between six and 10 realtors on the team, anywhere from four to six admin staff. And this year, 2020 was our big expansion year. So at the start of 2020, I put the wheels in motion to open a second office in Vancouver. And as of the recording of this podcast, we've got six agents in Vancouver, um, one admin staff in Vancouver, and we're growing in Vancouver as well. So depending on when you're listening to this podcast and when you check in, um, we should have two sister teams operating at full throttle, one in Edmonton, one in Vancouver. 
and my intention is that uh, at the end of 2021 to be eyeing up and laying the foundation for expanding into a third city. Nice. Um, any hints on where that third city is going to going to be, or is that still up in the air? But it it's a it, the finalists would be Kelowna and Victoria and Whistler. Part of our expansion model involves partnering with local experts who have leadership potential, and so the the next city will be just as much dictated by where a local leader emerges that wants to work with us as much as a market that makes sense. So those are the three markets that I feel make the most sense. It's just a matter of, you know, in our travels and our networking, um, where are we going to find the next person who's going to be a great fit to work with us? Awesome. So a lot of exciting stuff there. I think um, congrats on the success to, to date, actually. So you've done a lot of Thank stuff. Thank you. Um, real estate investing side and, and then obviously transitioning into realtor life. Um, so in how long is that? Five years that we've been actively a realtor? Five, six years? Uh, I would say... I got my real estate license in 2007. Okay. So act, but as a, as a full fledged team, um, since 2017. So in 2016, yeah, I kind of built the systems, did a lot of the recruiting, did a lot of the hiring and everybody's first day on the mogul real estate group team was, you know, January 1st of 2017. So how did you, um, uh, how did you, I guess, what made you excited about doing that? And then like, where did you get the um, experience or business savviness, I guess, to actually go do that and succeed with it? I see a lot of teams, you know, maybe starting with one admin hire or maybe starting with, you know, a little bit of leverage and then maybe fizzling out or not quite getting yeah. that next step. So how did, how did you actually ensure that that leverage actually brought your team growth? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I'll kind of answer your two questions in reverse order. So where did, where did I get the know-how and where did that, that whole process come from? There's a very, very iconic book called The Millionaire Real Estate Agent written by Gary Keller. Um, you know, the, there's no secret to my team. In fact, it's quite literally an open book. If you read that book, then you understand how my business is structured. It's really that simple. That book is, is in my opinion, the playbook for any realtor that really wants to treat this like a career and grow something that's bigger than just one person. Um, the second half of the expertise just came from spending, you know, almost 10 years in the Edmonton market as a top performing agent. That that really helped just being able to generate enough leads and have enough big enough book of business to share with the team that I was leveraging, as well as knowing how to be a great realtor so that I could then coach and mentor other other realtors. In terms of the why did I want to grow into being a team? Um, that's, that's a bit more of a complex answer because some, some agents that I'm, that I'm friends with who are also top performers, you know, instead of going for a team, they just sit in the top performer seat and they'll have, you know, two or three executive assistants. And it's all about doing as much volume as possible within a, with a support network. I wanted to, to build a team where there were actually realtors, um, doing deals and creating revenue. Because my one of my goals is to step more so out of one-to-one -one client interactions and into executive management of a team um, for a couple of reasons. I mean, one of them is lifestyle. As a realtor, if you're a top-performing realtor, sometimes deals happen on Sunday. Sometimes deals happen at 10 o'clock at night on a Tuesday, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, it's part of the excitement. It's part of the reason that realtors at a top level get remunerated and paid so well. But it's also part of the stress of being a realtor and it's not for everybody. And, you know, as I, as I get a little bit older and a little bit more mature, I wanted a little bit more of a, you know, nine to five, eight to four kind of 
work day instead of an all the time kind of work day. The second reason I did it was uh, really for succession planning. One of the things that I observed early on in my career as a realtor is that we don't really have a book of business that you can sell in the same way as other professional uh, designations. For example, if you're an insurance broker, um, when you're ready to retire, you can sell your book of business for a multiple of earnings. If you're a dentist, you can sell your dental practice for the client list that exists at that dental practice. Um, if you're a stockbroker, you can sell your book of business for a multiple as well um, based on the amount of assets you have under management. But as a realtor, because it's so much more relational and because the transactions don't have a residual, um, you know, it's much, much harder to sell that book of business because, you know, that repeat and referral business, the average person only moves every six or seven years. And that relationship hinges a lot more on that specific realtor. So I started thinking of how I could build a corporate and business structure so that my business became an asset that was sellable, similar to some of those other industries. So what I actually did is I sat down with a couple of business appraisers and reverse engineered a business structure based on what a business appraiser would want to see from that type of business to actually appraise it at value. So there were a couple of different performance milestones and a couple of different features that a successful operating real estate team needed to have in order for it to be a business that could be valued. I then started structuring my business around those parameters with the intention that top performing agents in my business would eventually want to ascend to a point where they'd want to buy in as a partner in the business to a business that had a valuation. And, you know, here we are three years later and sure enough, one of my top agents in Edmonton has bought shares at present market value of the business to become partner. And with our Vancouver expansion, we also partnered with locals there to, based on a business valuation as well. So that that's that's part of the why. You know, part of the why was just to have a better control over my time, because when you're client facing, time management can be a little bit more at the whim of a client's needs and when there's a good deal involved. And part of it was succession. You know, I didn't want to be one of those realtors where, you know, I'm 65 years old, still just chasing deals and working my butt off without anything to show for having built a business for the last 35 years of my career. Um, you know, I saw those types of realtors at the office that I was at as kind of cautionary tales. And I started rethinking how to build a business so that, you know, I would have something to show for it other than just the income that was earned over the years. So to put it another way, I wanted to go from owning a job to owning a business. Awesome. Awesome answers. And, um, I think some pretty good ahas for people in the area just alone so far. Um, Obviously, yeah, you're thinking of this as a business, not as a salesperson, which is um, probably first and foremost, if you're looking to build a team, a pretty good area to start is start working on your mind and, and what you're thinking about and how you're thinking about your business. I love how you got, I love the reverse engineering of that. That's, that's, um, I haven't heard too many people comment on that, but it's, uh, it's a weird industry in that sense, right? That we nest like generally in the past, you can't really just go off and sell it or, or get people buying in. Um, on your, journey to that obviously mrea you know, i've read it many times I'm, I'm a keller williams agent so i'm very familiar with with the gary keller uh and yeah. everything and uh it's not even just a book it's a kind of a, it's kind of a, a reference point to keep going back on did you have you followed it much like past the initial startup of it or like did you actually follow it to a t at the beginning or was it just kind of a a, a rough model to go off at the beginning, it was a rough model. You know, I mean, I, a mentor agent of mine gave me a copy. I kind of flipped through it. And, you know, especially because I was so young when I started, 
just like every young male entrepreneur, I thought I was a genius who knew how to do things my own way. So, you know, I mean, I, I flipped through the book and said, okay, lots of touch points with your sphere of influence. Got it. Let's go. And, you know, without really reading it to think about the foregone conclusion of how to build a business, you know, I kind of read it through a second time and thought, okay, probably need an assistant now. Great. It wasn't until, you know, I was on my sabbatical in Whistler where I sat down and said, okay, this is a business model to go from solo agent to functioning organization. And I kind of read it and reread it and reread it and then started thinking about building that structure. So that that's kind of my experience with that book. But, you know, I mean, if I had to give younger me a piece of advice, it would have been read the dart thing multiple times and follow the whole thing, not just the pieces that stuck out on a on a flip through. Right. Um, get creative after, right? Of course. Yeah. Lots of time to get creative afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, you know, I, I, even though I'm not a Keller Williams agent, um, Keller Williams throws one heck of a good real estate conference. I've been to the family reunion conference in Anaheim. I've been in New Orleans. Um, we were going to go to Orlando and then COVID. Um, you know, it's a great educational tool and it keeps you at the top of the game and the top of the industry. Um, so, but, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, cool. And so on, obviously you probably had some ups and downs over the, over the last, hasn't been that long. So you've grown pretty fast. So, um, how were you able to engage talent and get them on, on your same page in that, like with, with growing this thing that fast, did you lose people along the way or did you get some people kind of coming and saying, this is a bit too intense or too much for me to be a part of this big thing? Cause you're obviously growing something pretty, pretty substantial as compared yeah. to, most, to most real estate people, at least it is. Um, I would. I mean, the short answer to your question is yes, you know, tons of turnover um, for, for a number of reasons. You know, sometimes it was giving somebody a chance and hiring them when I, I was 50 at 50 on whether or not they would be a good fit. <clears throat> sometimes, you know, as the organization evolved and grew, um, people just having different vision and directions and wanting to transition out. You know, there are a couple of agents who right from day one, they said, look, you know, I want to be here for about two years to learn everything there is to learn about being a realtor. But I, you know, my ultimate goal is to be solo. Um, so, you know, just being transparent with those people about their intentions, my intentions and so on and so forth. Um, you know, admin staff turning over, uh, I mean, life happens, you know, we've, we've had, you know, children are a blessing. We've had several pregnancies create staffing turnovers. And, you know, we actually just had one of our, you know, shout out to Aurora, one of our absolute, best um administrators come back from that leave so that that was really exciting um so you know it's i would say the first time we had to let somebody go and the first time somebody left voluntarily you know it was you take it personally because you get to know people at a personal level especially when it's a small intimate team um and that's just part of me growing and maturing as a as a professional is not taking it personally when somebody wants to make a business decision that's best for them um, and understanding that life goes on when the changes happen and that, you know, the organization is greater than the sum of the parts in terms of a brand, in terms of a culture and just keeping that brand and that culture at the forefront and understanding that different people are going to be a good fit at different points in their career. In terms of attracting talent, it's very similar to how we attract clients. Um, I, I am just, present as I possibly can be on social media, doing things like speaking on this podcast, Facebook live stories, Instagram feed, um, marketing, 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 speaking at events, going to networking events, going to conferences. Um, one of the things I like to do is every single deal my team does, I will, 
I, I call the client and I call the realtor on the other side of the transaction to say, you know, hey, you worked with so-and-so on my team. Um, I know you don't know me that well, but I just wanted to call and say thank you. My observations were X, Y, Z. You did a great job. Um, and, you know, for the people that actually did do a great job, then I say, if you had ever, if you want, if you want me to buy you lunch, I'd love to and just tell you about what being on our team looks like. Um, obviously, you don't extend that invitation to everybody, but, um, you know, it's, it's constantly through multiple channels, putting it out there that we're what we do, how we do it, why we do it, and that we're looking to grow. And, you know, the, it, the phone calls come in, like I would say probably about once a week, we get approached by an experienced realtor or a new realtor who's just curious about the team. And some of them work out and some of them don't. But that's part of transitioning from being an in-production agent where my primary focus is my clients. A lot of those one-on-one, -on -one, you know, listing presentations or new buyer meetings are replaced with one-on-ones with realtors and um, attraction meetings to see if there's good fits for our team. So that's, that's more so what my role has evolved into. And, you know, I mean, along the way, it was like when I was just starting the team, it was a lot more time on clients and the odd agent would pop up. But now that we've got a really uh, dense foundation and everybody's kind of working on making sure their production is where it needs to be, it frees up a lot of my time to actually focus on those conversations about adding new people to the team. So that's, uh, that's kind of how we build and grow. So at this point, um, how many, roughly, how many transactions are you, are you doing or how many do you want to do like personally on a given year or month? Like, are you, you um, kind of sound like you're, you're doing some business yourself, but yeah. you're transitioning as much. Cause I'd said push and pull, right? You obviously want to spend time on the business and, and help your people grow in that. Totally. It, yeah. You, I know, I know running the team, it's kind of, it, everyone's got a different point where they really get to or want to step out and, um, everyone runs yeah. a bit, bit, bit different, right? Totally. Totally. And I'll answer that question by just drawing some contrasts. Um, cause everybody's business is going to be a little bit different. So for me in 2016, as a solo agent where I had one assistant and my primary focus was deals, 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 I'd average, Oh, let's do the mental math here. I'd average about seven deals um, per month personally. Um, you know, some months would be two or three, some months would be 10 to 12, you know, depending on the seasonality. Uh, but on average, it would be about seven per month. In 2017, when I was the team leader and I kind of scaled back and I started handing off clients to the team members, 2017 and 2018, it was more like four to five deals a month on average. And now in 2020, I'm at about 2.75 deals per month as is my average. Approximately. So it sounds like you know your numbers pretty well, which is good. Um, yeah, we're pretty dialed in. In the office, we have a great big deal board that's constantly you know scrolling the numbers. Um, I'm I'm a huge fan of friendly competition, and uh, you know we make everybody's numbers very public to foster that sense of friendly competition. So I I know where everybody's at. Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah, and I I personally like to track production on a, on a closed deals basis as opposed to a commission volume basis. Um, because from my perspective, anyways, you know, a $750,000 house is about as much work as a $500,000 house. So getting that deal across the finish line is the metric I like to use to record production as opposed to the gross commission. Although at the end of the day, I mean, gross commission is what really drives the business to get a good feel for how productive and successful an agent is being. It's more about tracking the the, the actual closed ends 
Um, because once, if somebody's a four end per deal realtor, it's not a huge shift to shift them from dealing with $300,000 houses to $500,000 houses. It's more so how do they get the habits and, um, you know, success activities in place on a consistent basis to continually hit four deals a month. So that's, that's my viewpoint on how I track my realtors. I know everybody's different, but that's just, we do, we do the same too. I like units. I mean, units, you can, you can go into a different market. Maybe that's even higher price markets for us. Like we're Hamilton. So an hour outside of Toronto, if we go to Toronto and, you know, we're used to someone's here used to doing five deals a month. They go there and do five deals a month. It's it's still the same amount of work, roughly. Yeah. Um, so you're still gonna feel like you're doing the same, but you might your price might might double, so you might actually get a lot more out of it. But at least you're used to doing that amount of work, right? And then you can just it just becomes a uh, maybe purposeful around growing your price point or your maybe the commission percentage that you're getting. Exactly. Uh, I, yeah. I like focusing on units too. It's it's I think it's the not the the money is more important the growth the revenue and etc but units is a great way to track it i think i agree um and that's how we do it too are are you so in terms of um over the years obviously you've probably had some like what would be the number one or two biggest failures that you've had in terms of leading the team and growing the team anything that sticks out yeah yeah i would say there's two there. I'm going to pick two huge takeaways that, you know, if I could wind the clock back and right from day one, say like, here is what you need to know. Um, Cause I've, I've actually been doing a lot of reflecting over the summer, especially with COVID. It's a great time for reflection. I would say number one is make the success of the team members, the primary focus, as opposed to, you know, a lot of, a lot of people start a team and they are this, you know, super champion agent, you're doing a ton of deals and then you have these agents on the periphery that just kind of pick the crumbs off of your table as it were deals clients you don't want to deal with they pick up the scraps they can learn by osmosis just by having the ability to be in your office um that that mentality and that attitude caps growth in a major way and i think produces higher turnover versus being committed to at all times asking the question like how do i make my agents more successful is it adding coaching? Is it adding lead generation? What, what, what things can I add to the equation of this program to make sure that the agents are successful? Because, you know, productive agents are happy agents. You know, it's somebody can be having a really bad month and if they close three deals, all of a sudden that bad mood goes away real quick. So it's, it's really product production is at the root of a lot of good in this industry as far as agents mindset goes. And so it's, you know, figuring out how I support them. Um, leading into that point is just how absolutely unbelievably critically important administration is. We kind of learned that lesson the hard way this year because we put a hiring freeze when COVID hit on a new administrator. And then we had one administrator, um, do a career change because, you know, she kind of had, a, a an epiphany over COVID where she wanted to pivot directions. So we went through a period where we were completely understaffed. From an administrative perspective, we kind of built the conversation around the agents doing their own paperwork and their own admin. And we had attrition of a couple of really good agents because, you know, they basically said, well, if I'm not even getting admin support, what's the point of having this split with the team? Um, and, you know, for me, you know, from my perspective, the cost of an administrator is a few thousand bucks a month. Um, so, you know, that's that's one of the smaller budget items when it comes to running a team. And the the investment in that admin pays huge dividends you know i mean 
highly productive agents. That was the linchpin upon which they perceived value in the team was just having admin support, not having to do their own paperwork, not having to upload their own stuff to um, MLS, not having to upload stuff to the brokerage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just having consistent, reliable admin support, um, always making sure that that exists so that the agents can focus on sales and not have to focus on admin. Um, you know, again, that's, that's my unique experience, but uh, anytime admin has gotten shaky, the agents get unhappy almost immediately. And so I always try to keep admin support and quality admin support as one of the most important features of the way we run our business. I agree hundred percent too. And then on the administrative side there, I mean, um, what do you, I mean, ultimately too, if you were ever to totally step away from the business and you yourself maybe were unable to, or not giving as much value to the business yourself, like in your, I'm, I'm assuming you're giving something back to the agents and, and the group day to day, month to month, et cetera. But if you're gone, it's gotta be the administrative, you know, hub has gotta be a big piece of it. If not almost all of the value that they're getting has got to come from that group in some way. Right. Mm -hmm. So what's, what, what does that group look like maybe, or how has it evolved over the years to where it is now? Like what, what roles do you have in that case? You said you had what, four to six. Admin? Yeah. Let me, yeah, I'll kind of review my org chart with you. Um, mm -hmm. So, the way that the org chart is right now is my my role is uh, you know kind of CEO and that that applies to both cities. So my primary role is ensuring all of the systems and processes are tight, ensuring our strategic partnerships are tight, like referral partners, lawyers, mortgage brokers, etc. Um, constantly getting feedback from everybody we work with on how our handoffs are going. You know, I mean, like, is an agent handing a you know a total gong show of a deal off to the lawyer, ticking them off, etc. If so, how do we smooth that out? Um, and that, that, and then att attracting agents and helping onboard agents, um, growing the business growth, attraction, onboarding systems. That's a huge part of what I do. And then just being the quote unquote face of the organization for opportunities like this to just talk about our business and why we think it's so great. Um, then the next tier of the org chart is that each, each, um, market has a sales manager. So that's a senior agent. Um, whose responsibility is to help every other agents on the team do paperwork, use the CRM, answer questions about negotiations. Every agent on the team gets a one-on-one -on -one, half hour accountability meeting every week where we go over their KPIs, talk about tricky deals, et cetera, et cetera. In addition to that, that sales manager leads three skill development sessions per week. Um, sometimes we're just doing something as simple as role-playing scripts. Sometimes we're sharing best practices on the CRM. Sometimes we're talking, you know, if somebody has a really wacky case, we do a case study on it. This client did this in the negotiation, totally bamboozled me. I lost the deal. What would you guys have done differently? So they lead that sort of stuff. And that role has um, salary associated with it because obviously helping the team takes away from their ability to uh, focus on their own deals. Um, but, you know, those are people who have that leadership inclination and, um, the, those people also typically end up being partners in the, in the, in the business. So that's, and then, and then from there we have all of the agents. Now we also have an internal commission splitting system so that newer agents can assist senior agents on the deals that they're doing. So for example, let's say that me as a senior agent, I have a home inspection and I'm just so gosh darn busy with my clients that I don't have a four hour window to go to the home inspection, sit on it, supervise it twiddle my thumbs while the inspector does their thing, et cetera. Well, for a, for a percentage of my commission on that deal, 
I can get a less a busy or less experienced agent to go and facilitate that home inspection for me. So we've got a fairly complex system of like, you know, 2% here, 5% there, 7% here, like just little percentages assigned with all of the additional tasks associated with the deal. So instead of having licensed assistants to do that kind of stuff, it actually helps the newer agents get a piece of more action and more deals and learn more quickly because they get a small percentage of more deals by just sitting in on a home inspection, which is a great experience for a new agent. It creates a revenue opportunity for them and a learning opportunity, and it helps the senior agents be more efficient with their time. So that's kind of, so that's, that's what the hierarchy of the agents looks like. And that's a little bit more organic because different agents are going to grow at different paces and have availability in their schedules at different times. But in general, the less experienced agents help the more experienced agents be more productive while building their skill set to become more productive agents. On the administrative side of the org chart, we've got an office manager and the office manager takes care of all things admin and um, and transaction coordination. So there, that's the HR department, the tech support department, the bookkeeping department, the onboarding department, and the head administration department. Underneath of our office manager, we have a virtual assistant for each market, one for Edmonton, one for Vancouver, and they do pure transaction coordination, writing up paperwork, drafting paperwork, filing paperwork, uploading paperwork to the brokerage, correcting paperwork with errors in it, paperwork, 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 all paperwork all the time. When you say virtual, is that virtual uh, in the same country as us or is that virtual overseas? Overseas, overseas. Yeah. Philippines? And Philippines, yeah. 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 Fantastic too. I mean, I we could have a whole conversation about how great virtual assistants have been for our business. We've had amazing ones too. Philippines is a hub for it, obviously, but we've had better talent there sometimes uh, uh, than locally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have our then then we have then, then the next person on the org chart um, who's probably at the same level on the org chart in terms of seniority as the office manager would be our marketing manager, and so they have a virtual assistant to do the more monotonous tasks like graphic design, clicking post, clicking share, clicking like, um, moving swaths of contacts from one part of the CRM to the other, you know, data integrity, that kind of stuff. And then the marketing manager manages our content calendar, does event planning. Um, and each of the agents is responsible for curating their own personal brand and using social media to get those touch points in um, as per the millionaire real estate agent. So each agent has a success meeting with the marketing manager once a week to help them manage their own personal content calendar, which feeds into our greater content calendar. Um, and then we also, in Edmonton, we're so busy that we actually hired an in-house photographer slash media manager. So um, we found that we were spending like $5,000 a month on external photographs and virtual tours uh, for all of our listings. And we're like, let's just hire a guy in-house and the guy that we hired also has graphic design experience and video editing experience. So for a revenue neutral kind of move, we got all of our phot photographs as well as some graphic design and video editing included in that little bundle. So that's, that's the org chart as of right now. Um, I think probably the next, that like the, as we grow, all we're gonna be doing is repeating levels on that org chart, more transaction coordinators, more realtors, um, but, as we get a little bit bigger, I think we're going to try to hire someone who has a very um, specific specialization in training and onboarding. So someone whose job it is to, because as we grow, we're going to be onboarding one or two people every month, probably as a general rule of thumb. So 
onboarding them, training them, and making sure that they're doing everything the right way is going to be probably the next piece, especially as we head into more markets and we're onboarding people at a faster and faster pace. Yeah, like agent services type of a role, right? Just kind of onboarding yeah. and, and servicing them through the startup phase and then kind of... Exactly. And then just doing... And then just doing check-ins, like, are you using the CRM correctly? Is your, you know, are you accessing email on your phone and your laptop? Is your calendar synced between your phone and your laptop? Like all of those, all of those little things that if they're not working properly, it just, it makes it way harder to be an agent, but that isn't always at the very top of people's priority list. It'll be at the top of that person's priority list. Awesome. Awesome. So um, all those levels now you have also obviously a bunch of agents there. How are they getting business? Are they generally, is there a system around that? Is it all through you and your clients and past clients? Um, what's that look like generally? Uh, we, you know, one of the things that we provide is we, we have, we're very, like we have a full-time marketing department, which generates a boatload of web leads. So for, for agents that don't want to do their own lead generation, um, they can, they have more web leads than they know what to do with. And then we have a huge database of what we call orphaned clients, which are, you know, web leads from years ago or, you know, past clients that used to work with realtors that used to be on the team or people that we met at networking events, you know, shoe boxes full of business cards from networking events from years ago, et cetera, et cetera. So um, people can work with orphan clients. We expect everybody to come with their own database because, you know, repeat and referral come from people's personal database. And then just through, through marketing efforts, we get a lot of warm leads, which is people reaching out saying, hey, I saw you in a podcast, I saw you speak at this event, et cetera, et cetera. So the, most productive, the more productive an agent is, the more likely they are to have access at more and more warm and qualified leads. Um, you know, we just kind of feed the hot hand when it comes to the best quality leads, and then everybody has access to all the web leads they can handle. And we find our, our closing rate on web leads is in about the two to 3% range every month um so you know i mean I, I tell everybody like if as long as you get 100 web leads in a month you'll probably close at least one deal if you're working them correctly and then once they get their skill uh solidified with those web leads everything just snowballs from there uh hiring and, and uh, agents and admins like what are the key things you look for there um obviously you're not going to take anybody and everybody um maybe you did at a time i don't know some people kind of go evolve and they, they take anybody at the beginning and then they evolve to a little more stricter standards but what, yeah. what do those standards look like for you? What are the key things you're looking for? Um, I, I'll answer that question by talking about our hiring process a little bit. First, we typically do a three interview process. Interview number one is what I call the boring interview where we just, what's your experience? How big is your database? Why do you want to be a realtor, et cetera, et cetera, just to get to know them and kind of bring the walls down a little bit. Then we do what I call a culture fit interview where I basically just pick two realtors at random from the team to take the person out for coffee and they just shoot the breeze and see if they think the person's has the mindset of being a team player and has the, the right vibe for our team. Um, you know, because we do operate as a team, we don't want people that are me, 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 super cutthroat, super aggressive. Like we want people that want to, to win and do their best, but in a team environment, as opposed to, you know, thinking that they're going to do what it takes to quote unquote, step over other people to achieve that success. Um, you know, it's, they, they need to be collaborators. And then the third interview we do is a skill-based interview where we basically just put them through a bunch of sales-based scenarios uh, to see how they react. And, you know, typically part of that interview is, you know, we, we um, role play out phone calls. So we say, okay, here's the setup. 
Um, I'm going to be the person you're calling. You're going to be the salesperson calling me. These are the objectives that you want to achieve in the call. Let's script it out and see what you do. And then we do a series of phone calls. And depending on where that person's at, we can progressively make the calls more difficult until we kind of figure out where that person's competency in sales is. So, you know, usually the first phone call is like, you're calling your auntie who's super excited to hear from you and wants you to set up a, you know, a listing alert in her neighborhood to look at properties. And then towards the end of the interview, the call's like, yeah, I'm busy. I don't have time to talk right now. What do you want? Okay, bye, click. And, you know, they're like, how do you work through that kind of a phone call? You know, I mean, it's, it's sales at the end of the day. Uh, awesome. So um, are you looking for newbies generally? Are they experienced when they come on? Is it a mix? Any preference? It's a, it's a very healthy mix. Um, I mean, newbies get tons of value from being on the team just because they go from zero to full throttle really quickly between the training, the resources and the leads. It makes it very, very easy for someone who's new to the industry to get a huge head start versus what they would do starting on their own. So we get a lot of that. Um, but we also get a lot of very experienced agents who are just, you know, they've kind of grown tired of being solo. They want a corporate culture. They want an office vibe. They don't want to do all their own paperwork anymore. They, you know, they, they want to have their weekends back. You know, we've got a lot of agents in their third, fourth, fifth year who are very productive, but they're like, you know what? I can't remember the last time I went on vacation without my laptop. I can't remember the last time I had a date night where I wasn't texting my clients under the table. So part of having the team structure, part of having the, the resources and, and um, team available is just like, yeah, you know what? Turn your phone off on Friday afternoon and turn it back on on Monday. We'll take care of stuff for you while you enjoy a weekend with your wife and kids. You know, like part of it is, you know, our, our, our corporate slogan is work hard, play hard, live well. That applies to what we want our clients to experience in terms of their lifestyle. But it's also just as much for the realtors because anybody out there who's listening who's a realtor, especially if you've achieved any degree of success, um, you know, you're always you're always focused on your clients time frames and needs and if a deal pops up when you're supposed to be doing something for your lifestyle well you got to pay attention to it whereas having a team in place allows you to plan ahead so that you have coverage so that you don't lose business opportunities because you have you know the team covering for you so step back a little bit there we said you talk about partners what does that mean and what does that look like a little bit it's as far as an expansion is that expansion partner in Vancouver like that model or is it a different version of a part? Can other people be partners or what's that model look like? That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. So, I mean, Mogul Realty Group Edmonton is an incorporated entity. Mogul Realty Group Vancouver is an incorporated entity. And there's, you know, various shareholders in those two companies. And then the, com the commission split flows into those companies. Expenses get paid and then the profits get shared amongst the partners based on the proportional share of the company. Because um, I, I actually not even, I don't even know, but Alberta, you can get paid into corporations there, I guess, obviously, right? Yeah. One the, yeah. One of the luxuries we haven't had until about a week ago in Ontario. But cool. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that's something that's been around, I guess, for a while there. So everyone, so all the commissions flow into that one corp and then expenses or whatever expenses are there kind of get taken out. And then it's a 50 50 share generally, or is it all over the place? Like, is there a bunch of shareholders? Um, yeah, without giving giving away the 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 back end of who owns what, um, yeah. I'm I'm the majority shareholder in all the companies. But there are the, you know the partners, the partners definitely own a big enough chunk that it, it makes it worth their while. Cool. Uh, what's going going forward? Obviously, you're going to be expanding some some new markets. What's the biggest What's the biggest challenge either now or in the future that you foresee? 
Um, I mean, the challenges, I mean, one of the biggest challenges is always just prioritization and time management because at like growing, growing is difficult. Maintaining is easy. And that, that statement applies to more than just business. So, you know, as I grow to uh, bigger levels, I learn lessons that you can only learn from being at that level. So it's, you know, it's just constantly the challenge of how to delegate better, how to scale, you know, even just this year, going from being in that sales manager role to creating a sales manager role and then delegating something that's very important, holding all of the agents accountable and mentoring them to be productive. I mean, that's a, that's huge. And so just like, okay, how do I change my mindset from micromanaging, you know, seven or eight agents to micromanaging one person who then micromanages the agents and making sure I'm helping them in turn, make sure the agents are successful. You know, like that's, that's a huge pivot. And as we grow into more markets, you know, I mean, maybe there's going to be a situation where, you know, like roles that I'm currently fulfilling end up being a new role that gets created for someone else to take on. For example, you know, recruitment, maybe somebody else is strictly in charge of recruitment or, or onboarding or training or interviewing or whatever, you know, it's just the, the challenge is constantly thinking ahead about what bundles of responsibilities exist clearly defining those bundles of responsibilities and then thinking how, okay, you know, right now this bundle of responsibilities, there's five bundles of responsibilities that grow into this one role. But now that this bundle of responsibilities takes twice as much time, okay, well now that needs to become its own role. And just thinking about growing and creating structure around making sure that all of the responsibilities are covered by the right person and making sure that that person isn't overloaded with more responsibilities than makes sense for them to accomplish. Um, that's probably, I mean, for me, that's the biggest challenge is just like thinking about what, making sure that we're thinking about how we're growing and then growing into it without overloading people. Because if you overload people, they burn out and then they quit. And so it's sustainable growth, I guess, is a good one liner to wrap that up with. Yeah. I think that's <clears throat> challenge with any business as you're growing, right? Is, is how to, when to hire those people, how to, how to really lead them properly. Cause you're leading a new role or a new, new person in, the, in that role. And so well, I think that's an ongoing challenge probably regardless of how big you're going um, bigger, yeah. like expansion, different areas like you, or even on a small level, I'm sure you experiences have experienced that all throughout. Right. Where do you go to, wh what do you do for getting knowledge and um, better kind of skills around that stuff or, or any of this stuff as you're growing the business? Do you have a, is it just listening to webinars, stuff like that? Do you go to masterminds? What do you do for that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. It, it's a mishmash. I mean, sometimes I'll, I'll get into a book. Sometimes I'll listen to a few episodes of a podcast, um, you know, reaching out to people who have that experience, like mentorship conversations or just picking the brain of someone who's a little bit more successful. Um, definitely looking forward to conferences coming back. I, I personally haven't been able to get my head wrapped around doing education and events through zoom. I'm much more of a tactile classroom learner. Maybe it's just because I'm a little bit older and the whole Zoom thing doesn't work for me. But, you know, I'm looking forward to COVID mellowing out and being able to go to a big conference and, you know, sitting in a room full of 100 people whose business is at the same level as me and hearing a presenter talk about it. Like, I, I, I'm a big conference guy. I really like the energy of a conference, the inspiration of a good conference, and then networking with people who are in different markets doing exactly what I'm doing so that it's a much more open and transparent conversation about strategy instead of talking to people in my own market where you're kind of simultaneously maneuvering because you don't want your competition to know the back end of what you're doing. 
and they're probably there's very few people doing stuff at that scale in any market. Um, I know Edmonton's a fairly good market, fairly in size, but there can't be too many people thinking at the same kind of level that you are. I would imagine. I don't know the market well, but there's not that many in in Toronto. I would say, let alone yeah, Edmonton's half the size or whatever, right? So yeah, there's about four or five really good teams in Edmonton, and then there's one team, and they expanded into Calgary, whereas we expanded into Vancouver. So there's there's not a lot of us operating at this level, but you know, I mean. The ones that are, they're all great people, all very successful for very good reasons. But it's a different conversation when you're talking to competition than when you're talking to a peer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the, I was the one thing is that I think, I think it was Gary Keller. Maybe he took it from somewhere else, but he says, you're, you really know at some point you're thinking big enough, you're going to have to get on a plane to go see your, your real peers and mentors and stuff. So yeah, if you're, it's just not going to happen enough locally and it's going to be a bit odd maybe to always do it locally. So, totally. um, Sometimes you just got to go a little, a little beyond with that. So that's cool. Um, anything that I uh, should have asked you here that I didn't? Oh gosh. I mean, you asked just some really intelligent questions. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming and have acted this whole conversation that our audience are realtors and entrepreneurs looking at growing their business. Um, so if you're a real estate client, that uh, that's a little behind the curtain of what, what we think about as, as business builders, as, as realtors. And, you know, for the, all the realtors out there that are listening, I mean, you know, the first thing you have to do if you want to be a successful team leader is my, I'm wrapping up with my final thought here is you have to switch the mentality from how do I do the most amount of deals to how do I help my agents do the most amount of deals without that mindset shift. It's, you're going to have a constant cycle of people hanging around for a little bit and then leaving because they're not getting value from you because you're too focused on your own thing. Agree, hundred percent. Yeah, it's a, it, that's got to be that's got to be oozing out of you through your leadership and conversations with them, right? Is it's, it's not about you, 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 or else, or sorry, it's not about me, me, me. It's about you, you, you. Otherwise, they're gonna they're gonna even if you're not even if you're trying your best, but it's not really there. You're gonna they're gonna sense it at some point, right? Um, and probably bail, probably bail. Um, awesome stuff, man. I'm really thankful for you coming on and you shared some great it's insights. It's pleasure, yeah. Really happy that you opened up. Um, that was that was some great stuff there. I'm sure listeners learned a lot from it. Um, what's the best way that they can reach out if they have other questions or want to learn more about what you're up to? Yeah, uh, my, my preference is always email. Um, so in the description, if you could put my email address, it's James, my first name, at M-O-G-U-L-R-G, MogulRG, just like mogulrealtygroup.com. Um, and you know what? I'll do the quick pitch. If you're in the Edmonton market or the Vancouver market as a realtor and want to talk about potentially being on our team, hit me up. I'd love to chat with you and buy you lunch and see if there's an opportunity to, to work together. Awesome. I think, uh, I think they would be valuable conversation regardless if it works out or not. I think they would definitely learn a bit and uh, hopefully get some, uh, something out of it. And I'm sure you're, you're the type to pour into them and help them grow anyway. So you'll probably get a mutual benefit out of that. I'd, I'd encourage everyone to do the same. I'll reach out to you and, and see where it goes. Uh, and you're coming into some new markets. So you mentioned those. So maybe you're looking there as well. So, um, Hey, yeah. If you're in big, if you're in Victoria and Kelowna and you liked what I had to say, please, please do drop me a line. Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much for taking the time today. And um, really was uh, an honor to chat with you here. And thanks so much. We'll talk again soon. Oh, it was absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. And uh, I hope we get to do another one again soon. Cool, man. Thanks.